When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode 49. We are one away from our 50th episode, which will hopefully be coming after a victory against the Houston Cougars. Houston is coming to town. Um, this will be a return trip. I believe the last time they were there would have been 2016. Um, would have been the last trip. That date could be wrong. Honestly, I don't think that much about U of H, but it is the return of the home and home. And we will be seeing the Cougars fairly often through Lubbock as they are a future Big 12 opponent. But first, before we get to U of H, we do want to touch on some of the lessons to be learned from a date with Murray State. Obviously, being an FCS squad, it's hard to gauge exactly what, what do we make of the performance? So we're going to talk through some of the lessons that you can take away, some of the overreactions we should try to avoid, and then we're going to try to uh, you know put that into context as we head into U- the Houston matchup. With Houston, we have a very thorough uh, preview of Houston. Jack and I did before the season. Not much has changed from our assessments there, but we are going to take a look at the context of UTSA and that matchup with them, the three-overtime match. So you know we're going to get into that. Um, as soon as we can. Now, let's go ahead and get started, Jack. I'm going to toss this to you first, which is just the we're going to start with Murray State. What was your biggest takeaway? What's one lesson you think you know about this, you learned about this team now? I think that it's very well known, or it should be well known, that while it may look lopsided on the terms of passing yards to rushing yards, I think the balance was definitely there. Um, you had three guys really get a bulk of the carries, and Taj Brooks, Roderick Thompson, and Bryson Donnell. Uh, obviously, Donnell was mostly working in the second half in kind of garbage time situations. Uh, but to me, at least, you saw the you saw the balance that Zach Kitley said he was going to, or that Zach Kitley preached about uh, in the off season. You know, it, it, you put up. 472 yards through the air to 133 on the ground net. But your total plays, uh, you had 27, or I'm sorry, 36 passing attempts to 29 rushing attempts. So I think that's pretty pretty balanced from the uh, offensive perspective, which is what I was impressed with. Obviously, you know, Taj Brooks had three touchdowns on the ground. Donovan Smith had four through the air. Uh, it felt really nice. I don't know about you guys, but it just felt really nice for the first time in a long time that it seems that we really took a team to the woodshed that deserved to be taken to the woodshed. Uh, you know, Tech Murray State had no chance, and that's fine. That's week one. Uh, but it really felt good to ha- have that confident win that pretty much from the get-go, we knew how things were going to go. And the offense for me is what did it. The offense looked back to their, like it was, you know, mid-2010s, early-2000s uh, type style almost. Little, little less uh, running back in those days. But 
I'll tell you what, if we're putting in, if we're putting the ball in the end zone three times on the ground uh, each game, I'll take that any any day of the week. I I've said this a couple times in different forums, and I think I think it's just true that you don't learn how good your team is from beating up on an FCS team, but I think you learn how they're bad they aren't. And what I mean by that is, I don't think. You know, Kansas's performance against Tennessee State means Kansas is suddenly back, but it may mean that Kansas is suddenly just regular bad instead of, you know, an embarrassment to football. The better tech teams of the last several years, the ones that have had the most success, have been the ones that have taken care of business against FCS teams. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I believe it was the Nick Shimanek year, the last bowl team before last year's, um, when, in which they were expected to. F- actually have issues with Eastern Washington that came in as a highly touted FCS offense, a very heavy rush attack. Um, there were national pundits who thought that would be an upset. Tech just dominates them. And now granted, that team was not great, but they were the last bowl team and they were pretty okay. Um, last year's Tech team did not take care of business against the FCS teams. Neither did any of the Matt Wells teams, really. And they weren't very good. And they really kind of skated by uh, this wildly inconsistent streak of you know either showing up or not so i think that there is something to be said where you did what was expected of you and that's important um you know you i'm not going to make any leaps on you know the defensive line obviously isn't going to be able to just run straight through you know the guard center combo right like that uh, the the craziest part about this is tyree wilson was such a non-factor in this game because one utsa's quarterback did a great job when the pocket collapsed. He rolled out, and the ends, I think, both were chastised by the coaching staff for not keeping contained. So they were they were so hell-bent on getting the quarterback, they lost track of the, you know, the greater aspects of being a defensive end. But the real reason is because either Hutchinson, Bradford, Blitty, the, you know, they were just – they were they, I, I, I don't even know if that guy, if that poor center was able to stop them for half a second. I mean, they just ran him over. Um, and Tech was very aggressive getting straight up the middle, which they're not going to do going forward. So how how do what 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 tangible lesson do I take away? I take away that the team's probably going to be pretty competitive in most games. I don't think they're going to have a game where they're just not in it. I don't think many teams are going to be able to blow them out. Um, I don't know if this performance drastically changes my perspective on their ceiling or on their uh, their floor, but it does tell me bare minimum that I you know I'm willing to bet that Tech is in almost every game they play. Um, if you ask me for position group perspe- perspe- uh, lesson learned, I think what we saw is that the secondary is not as good as we were hoping. You know, they're going to play better quarterbacks. Granted, that kid from Murray State, before he got hurt, he was making some plays. I mean, that I was impressed by both his arm and his accuracy, but he also missed guys, and I guarantee if he hadn't been getting hit every five seconds, they would have thrown for 500 yards in this game. I mean, the secondary was absolutely atrociously bad, and I expect them to get better in game two. I think a lot of the mistakes were just simple as they were so focused and trying to, to watch what was going on in the backfield. They lost track of guys. The positioning wasn't good. The eye discipline was bad. The safeties in particular were horrible in support. I expect them to be better, but I think the less, the biggest tangible position group lesson is this is a liability we thought these guys were going to take a step forward it does not appear that they're going to take the one we were hoping we just have to hope that you know the biggest leaps for teams is week one to week two that that group makes that leap so kendall we'll go to you next same question what's your know your big lesson that you're able to learn against the inferior opponent um i felt pretty comfortable you know watching that game the the biggest story coming out of the game was tyler shuck getting hurt obviously but how seamlessly we transitioned into going from Shuck to Donovan Smith. And that was kind of something that um, Coach McGuire really preached on throughout the offseason and the spring ball and everything is they would feel very comfortable with any quarterback in there between those three that were in the competition. And that really showed the offense didn't change whatsoever um, when Smith came in. And, you know, we were questioning throughout you know, we had a lot of talks uh, going into this season about, you know, who is able to stay in there. To me, all three quarterbacks, but especially both Shuck and Smith, they looked very different from the quarterbacks that we saw last season as far as like, you know, they're, how comfortable they were um, going through progressions and just kind of firing the ball in there. 
um, in their decision making. You know, it w- like you've said, it was just Murray State, but also like the throws that both Shuck and Smith were making. Um, there were a lot of throws in there that I don't think they make last season, not because they weren't capable of it, just because of the system that's in place. And that was an answer. You know, I didn't know how this offense was really going to look. We didn't know if it was going to be like a a true air raid or, you know, like you said, if there was going to be more of a balance. And early on, that first drive especially, that was probably the closest to the air raid that we've seen, you know, pre-Matt Wells um, with how quick they – what was it, 95 or something yards and – less than two minutes like that was just an insane drive I think it was three plays uh that was kind of just really good to see especially Tyler Shuck it I feel so bad for him because seeing him go down and Donovan Smith did come in and play phenomenal too but Shuck to me was showing that talent that everyone kind of knew he had he was firing some he had a lot of zip on the ball he was getting it into tight windows until he scrambled and after that, he missed a couple throws, and you could tell he was off. But to me, Tyler Shuck, when he was in there, he looked really good. Um, Donovan Smith looked great, too, and I'm comfortable kind of with anyone back there. Baron Morton, he did throw a pick, but he also looked really comfortable out there. Um, and I think, you know, it's really funny. Uh, a lot of like programs in college have that saying where um, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. But really, that does not apply to tech at all. Like that's it's really rare to have three quarterbacks that can actually see the field and like when a coach says that he actually means it and the fact that they have the talent and they all are very talented. Most of the time when you have a quarterback battle, it means that one guy isn't like living up to expectations. But with tech, I think what was shown in this game was that we do truly have three quarterbacks that can actually um, you know, run this offense and run it effectively. And that was something that I was really happy to see going, uh, kind of coming out of this game. You mentioned the two quarterbacks that played after Shuck went down. Tyler Shuck is facing one of the most unfair situations. You know, he spent so much of this offseason just rehabbing his shoulder. Then he gets to spring ball. It's finally looking healthy. He's able to go. There's so much expectation. He wins out a very competitive quarterback battle. And I think the problem Shuck is going to face is, based on what we're hearing so far, it doesn't sound like they know for certain his timeline of return. But if he is to come back, say, after Texas or that week, the odds are good as he's done for the year. Um, I, I don't think he can rewin the starting job without Smith and Morton cratering, and I don't think they're going to. Um, and here's the thing, Smith, it, there was a noticeable difference between the quality pass from Shuck and Smith. I don't think people paid enough close enough attention if they didn't see it. Um, there's a reason Shuck won the job, but Smith's ball was good enough. And you unlock other parts of your offense with his legs and with his size that Shuck just can't. I mean, Shuck ran the ball one time and got hurt. And yeah, I don't believe necessarily that's somebody's fault that they're kind of injury prone, but we ran into this with Alan Bowman. You cannot keep building an offense around a guy who's going to get hurt. You can't do it. It's just, it's just too, it's too much uh, of a drain on your chances to keep trying to get ready for somebody to take over who you think is going to get hurt the first time they get hit. That was straight up the first hit he took in the game, and he broke his collar. Um, I, You just can't keep trying. You can't keep letting yourself do it. So as a coaching staff, I think, unfortunately, Shuck's job is done. You're going to have to move on from him. You can't keep trying to reset the deck with a guy who's injury prone. Um, I think his career is largely finished as a result of this. And that none of this is his fault. It's all very unfair. But, you know... It is it it is what it is, and that's that's just kind of the sucky part about this is, you know, the staff has an obligation to win with the next guy up, and I think the next guy up is going to be able to win. That's gonna be, um, that's gonna be by definition Smith. I I would be stunned to see Morton actually get substantial playing time against U of H. 
Um, I could see them trying a little change of pace. He's a competent quarterback, but we, again, the, the, the noticeable drop-off from Smith to Shuck wasn't super drastic. I thought you know, it was clear that Shuck has a little bit better touch on his deep ball. Smith has a tendency to underthrow them. They're playable, don't get me wrong. He does the thing you want with a quarterback. You want them to miss but give their guy a chance. Um, and he's got, you know, short intermediate down pat. I think he puts a good ball on the money. He's good at, he does a pretty decent job most of the time leading his receivers, but from Smith to Morton, it was night and day. Morton did look comfortable. Uh, the offense sputtered with him. Now he was playing with backup offensive line, blah, blah, blah. I get all that. He was wasting time, hard to stay engaged. Also fair. Not trying to make long-term predictions about his future, but right now he just doesn't have the experience, doesn't have... The, the the development that you'd want from a guy that to start in the Big 12. Next year, I think he could win this job. Give him an offseason, especially if Smith doesn't go out and just blow everybody away this season, I think he could win this job. But for now, you know, I think this is Smith's job and Morton is going to be watching from the wings. So I think we won't... This will be the last game this weekend in which you see kind of like the two-quarterback idea. It's going to be Smith going forward, uh, barring some sort of catastrophe and um, I just think that's where we stand. But I do want to bring, speaking of the quarterbacks and everything going on with that situation, which is obviously the story of the game, I want to bring things back to some other part of the offense I noticed, which is the offensive line play. Now, Murray State is, I don't think this is going to shock anybody to say, the worst defensive unit Tech will play all year. They're the least talented, the smallest, the, the, the slowest. But... The offensive line was largely perfect in this game until, again, the twos and threes came in and started to break down. Um, Are we feeling better against a really active Cougar front coming in, or are we still wondering about this unit? Do we still... Did we see enough from them to feel at least a bit more confident in them, or are we still waiting to see what they're going to do? Kendall, go to you with that one first. Um... Oh, that's tough, honestly, because the measuring stick of like a uh, middle tier FCS school is so hard to really like evaluate what the offensive like how good was our offensive line actually, um, because especially because last year, if we remember last year against Houston, um, early in the game we did struggle quite a bit uh, with their defensive front, but eventually we made adjustments and. Um, Taj Brooks was able to get going and the offense started to really click, but, uh, I really don't know how to feel like that was just a game to me. Like, yes, it was great to, we moved the ball very easily. Offensive line gave our quarterbacks enough time to really work, but there is, I can't really take much away from that just because, um, like, like you said, this, that was by far the worst defense we're going to see besides, I don't know, maybe like <laughs> after watching Oklahoma State's defense, I don't know um, how they'll measure up. But uh, I felt that <sighs> there was times where, like you said, with Baron Morton in there, but that was also the second string offensive lineman. Um, I think that we'll be able to hold our own just because, you know, Joey McGuire, one thing I really noticed with this team, even though um, it was just Murray State, they just kind of had a swagger to them that they're not going to back down at any point. And I think that that alone will be able to really be effective against Houston's defensive front. In um, overall, I think you know UTSA had their moments where they were pretty um, dominant at times, where other times they they didn't look great, but. Um, I do think that if UT, the way I'm thinking about it is if UTSA was able to have effect, like be effective in that department, I also think, uh, tech will very easily be effective, but, um, I think the whole thing about Houston is last year, every week, they kind of just got better. They, uh, Dana Holgerson was very good at, um, you know, finding their weaknesses early in the season and kind of just building off of them. And I expect no different. So I don't think we're going to see, you know, the same Houston team, uh, especially defensively. I don't think we're going to see that same Houston team that showed up 
uh, this past week against UTSA. I think we're going to probably see a whole different type of uh, scheme, whole different strategy. But uh, I think it's just kind of a wait and see with uh, how our offensive line will fare against their defensive front and their front seven. But uh, I do have some confidence going into it that we're going to be able to be physical with them. And um, I think we will definitely have our moments where we're pretty successful against their defense. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't think that you can say that we saw an offensive line that you can't, you know, like you're concerned about. Because here's the thing, Tech has struggled against SFA and FIU last year. Tech struggled to protect. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember the SFA game in particular, but that was a game Tech nearly lost. Um, They were not good in either one of those games. Um, The offensive line last year really struggled. So it it did hearten me to see them go out and say, you know what, we're bigger than these guys, we're better than these guys. Um, we're just going to dominate them. And part of this also it r- goes to some of the thing we're talking about with, with um, Kitley coming in, which is just the scheme's different. The ball was out of hand a lot faster a lot of the times. They, it was The read was a lot clearer. They had guys that were running wide open. That factored in as well. It's easy to make the right read when your guy's 20 yards down the field and the nearest racer, I think, was like 15 behind him. Um, but there were times where Smith was able to stand in there and really stand and deliver because he, he knew his guys were going to hold up. That was great to see. No, I don't think you can say that suddenly we, we can't be worried about this unit, especially against their first real defensive line test. But I, I do think it is a good sign that you took care of business. I mean, this all goes back to the same thing. Tech has historically not taken biz- care of business in these games, and they did. You know, they, they haven't taken advantage of matchups. They played down to competition. They've struggled to separate in, in the secondary. They've, you know, the receivers who haven't gotten as open, the quarterbacks haven't made the right reads. It, it was good to see a tech offense that looks ahead of schedule is what I would say. And the offensive line looks to be ahead of schedule. Granted, it's a thin group. If there's an entry there, this whole season can go up in smoke. So be really, you know, just praying that they don't get hurt. Um, I, I don't think we have the depth of that group to survive more than even just one injury. Um, you know, that it's a thin group, but I, in terms of what the actual unit did when they played, the first group looked as good as any offensive line tech has had against FCS teams. Now we're going to have to see how they perform against a much more active Houston front. We'll get to that. I'm going to ask Jack one last question before we switch to talking about the Cougars and their performance more in depth. Jack, We've talked. A, there's been a lot of noise made about Kitley's system, the, this high-powered offense from Western Kentucky. It was on display. You know, we scored early and often. It took to the third quarterback, middle of the third quarter, before Tech did not score on a possession. Uh, but let's look at the defensive side. You watched Tim DeRuder's system. What sense did you get? Obviously, part of this was changed by the fact that you could just run straight through their offensive line. But what did you get a, a kind of a gauge on about your new defensive coordinator? What kind of reads do you did you get on what he's going to do going forward? I think the the main thing that I pulled out of it was that he's very fundamentally sound. Uh, immediately when. Murray State was able to, you know, complete long passes. Both McGuire being a defensive-minded head coach and DeRuder, even coming into halftime, they knew what was they knew what the problem was immediately, and adjustments were made. It was really cool. I don't know. I'm. I mean, it was really cool to see adjustments made at the half. Uh, they didn't score in the second half, and if I'm not mistaken, I think. They only score. I, I think they only had like seventy three yards or something in the second half. It's something ridiculous like that. But it's really nice to see something on the field, see an issue, get the issue circled, and have the issue fixed all within honestly about a quarter of of play time. Uh, it's really nice to see that for a change when, and one just like something like that that comes to my mind was last year in the TCU game. You know, uh, we got gashed in the first half, and it's almost like we overthought what to do at half, and they came out and guess what? They gashed us again. So it was really nice to see a little bit of issue, but those issues being fixed right away. Um, 
I really liked what the, I mean, uh, it, we, you touched on it. The defensive line just caused havoc in this game, but it was really nice to see good games from uh, Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford, Philip Bleedy. Um, I know we all would have liked to see a little bit more from Tyree Wilson, but I have a feeling that uh, in the in the games farther along down the line when we need him to step up, he'll be there, and we'll probably be calling his name quite a bit. Um, other than that, yeah, the secondary stuff it, it does it does concern me, uh, especially after Clayton Toon kind of had an off game against UTSA. UTSA on defense kind of played Houston in the way that they're going to give up the short stuff as long as they don't get beat deep. And that's pretty much what happened. I think the longest pass was a pass of 37 yards, but it was kind of a shorter pass that there were a couple missed tackles and it kind of broke out for a 37 yard gain. Other than that, there weren't a whole lot of long passes that UTSA gave up. So I think that we can take kind of a note um, from Jeff Trailer's defense down there in San Antonio and kind of play play off that. And we, I mean, obviously these coaches know what they need to do and they have a good grip on everything, but that's what caught my eye after this one. Yeah, I, I do think that we didn't see quite literally almost anything that, you know, Tim DeRuiter's going to do against real competition, just because he didn't have to. Um, I did like, like you mentioned, the ability to kind of figure out what's going on. You saw some real coaching going on, some adjustments being made, you know, trying to identify, I I mean, we all know what the weakness was in that game. So trying to identify different ways to take care of that. Um, the biggest thing with that is how, how are they going to approach it going forward? Now we kind of get a sense for the secondary may not be up to you know, up to code for us. What are we going to do about it? That's going to be a great thing to watch in the second game with a new defensive coordinator is just how does he respond um, to, to, to that schematically? And I think, I think part of this is he just didn't have to blitz very much against um, Murray State. I think, I think ordinarily you would have seen a lot more activity, a lot more movement. Um, not that there wasn't any, it just, he didn't need to do anything besides kind of line his guys up in base and let them run straight through. So we, we haven't gotten, I think, a good sense for what he's going to do long-term, but I did like the short-term coaching points. And, you know, you mentioned kind of how UTSA played it. I do think that I, – I, did, I, I didn't have anything against Keith Patterson other than I felt like he was way too passive. But I do think that, like Keith Patterson, there's going to be some serious film study done. You know, I didn't feel like – there were a couple of games I felt like Tech under Patterson just weren't prepared, Texas being one of them that last TCU game. But most of the time, he had a good game plan and attacked it. I think Tim DeRuiter is best at, um, you know, creating the game plan he wants to attack Houston with. Remember, this is something also to go into this. Dana Holgerson did want to hire, um, he did want to hire DeRuiter, Coach DeRuiter. It was on kind of his bucket list, and Tech obviously was able to get it done um, when the opportunity to bring a new staff came about so the, it i think that you know holgerson has deep respect for what coach deruder does so i'm excited to see that kind of you know dana's offense versus coach deruder's defense will be a fun one to watch and an important matchup obviously for any number of reasons but we're going to now move into you started to talk about the utsa game let's just dive right in i think that you know no sense beating around the bush i we've covered pretty much what you can learn from an SES team this is tech's first real challenge make no mistake houston will challenge the red raiders especially if they get caught napping um UTSA battle-tested the Cougars. That was a three-overtime game, for those who don't know. Houston actually trailed in this game late, rallied to push it into overtime, and then uh, or rallied to take the lead, and then failed to contain it in, during regulation. This game was pushed into overtime. It came down to the two-point conversion contest, which is just the dumbest way to settle overtime and and football can't believe they switched us to effectively a penalty shootout. Clayton Toon made a very impressive. Um, final play in order to win the game for the Cougars. That last two-point conversion, that was all individual effort. That was really actually pretty cool to watch. Um, but there's some lessons to learn here. You know, Houston doesn't have great film on tack against quality, but we've got great film. UTSA is a good squad. So let's just look ahead. Let's look into what we can take away. It's game one, so you know, try not to 
over-exaggerate deficiencies, proficiencies, but there are some lessons to learn here. I'm going to start first with Houston's defense. UTSA in this game didn't have a banner game, but was fairly effective. 430, 441 total yards, 330 through the air. That was their most effective weapon. They did throw, Frank Harris would throw a pick. They also had 104 yards on the ground. Harris was their most effective rusher by a large margin. He racked up 63 yards on eight carries. He was the only uh, member of UTSA's team that averaged over three yards a carry. He also got more touches than anyone but their starting back, Traylon Smith. So it was a UTSA attack driven basically by their quarterback that that everything ran through Harris he did everything so let's look at the Houston defense Kendall Smith isn't a one-for-one to Harris they're different kinds of quarterbacks but is it a good sign that what Houston struggled with the most is something that Smith kind of unlocks for you which is you know the mobility the size the speed the quickness will do you think Tech is going to lean on that more or you know is Kitley just going to say you know what this is the air raid this is how we're going to do it and uh, continue to attack through the air uh I don't know I think see we did see a lot from the offense uh, this first game, but we also don't really know how Kitley is going to call a game like this where there is a weakness um, to a mobile quarterback. We saw Tyler Shuck run that draw really effectively that he ultimately did end up getting hurt on. But um, so we know that those types of plays are in there to be run, but I guess I don't know how much those straight up quarterback runs are going to be called upon, especially after Shuck got hurt. And um, we don't necessarily want to risk that happening again to Smith. But um, it is a huge plus that that's one of Smith's big strengths. Um, I don't think I still don't think they'll shy away from it, but I think it's just going to come naturally and maybe it'll come on more scrambles than designed types of runs. But um, this thing that's really encouraging to me about uh what UTSA was doing was just the fact that they were able to be so successful through the air. Um, passing for almost 400 yards is uh, really kind of, uh, I guess, encouraging for te- a tech offense that looked so good in the air in week one. Um, and also, the thing that kind of really makes me wonder how tech will call this game is UTSA did struggle to actually have their like with their running backs running the ball but also tech has much more talent um in that department than UTSA does and really that could if we can run the ball successfully early that could open up a lot more especially within that pass game and uh like but what you said with Donovan Smith that quarterback running can be um, one of his parts of his games that makes him stand out compared to Morton or Shuck. Uh, I don't I don't know if we're going to see it that much. Um, I think if it's there, uh, I don't think he'll hesitate to run. But I also think after last week, um, you know, Houston will kind of prepare a little more for that. Um considering they do know that Smith can run that's on tape from last season. I think that they'll prepare more for that, but uh, I won't be shocked if he does rack up some rush yards, but I think ultimately where we're going to win this game is going to be, you know, running similar plays to what we did last week through the air. I think those, I don't think we're going to get nearly as many open receivers downfield, but uh, I do think that we are going to see, some high volume passing. And I do think that um, ultimately tech will just be trying to kind of I think the first quarter, especially is kind of going to be a feeling out process to see how Houston is really defending. Um, Are they going to be more defending against that run with Taj Brooks and Sir Thompson? Because Taj Brooks killed him last year. Uh, He, he really made, that was kind of Taj Brooks' uh, coming out party of sorts last year. He uh, he started the season great against Houston, and I guarantee that they're going to be um, preparing to stop him after what he did. But that's where this Tech team is so much different than last year. We have so much of a more effective passing game. And uh, really another thing that I was really happy to see um, – 
was our receivers were really uh, effective. And I think that's going to be a really big plus is if we have multiple receivers, especially with uh, the size of our receivers, I think we can definitely give their secondary some hell um, with, you know, especially Jaron Bradley. He looked phenomenal in that game. Uh, he was getting open quite a bit. So um, I think that we're going to see a good balance of the run and pass and the court, the quarterback runs, if they're there, you know, like you said, that is Donovan Smith's strength, but uh, I don't think we're going to see a lot of designed runs. I think it'll be more scrambles. So, um, but really we're the thing that I love about this team so far and what I've seen is just, I feel comfortable kind of attacking teams from any which way to this point. Um, I feel comfortable, you know, airing it out and also running it, but also like even shorter passes and making like having our quarterbacks kind of go through their progressions. Um, they, Kitley's offense is a lot about quick progressions and quick reads that I think that our quarterbacks did really well last week. And I think that when you have that type of offense, you can really attack from any way. So this playbook is going to be wide open this week. And I really expect, um, our offense to be really successful. I, I, you know, this is such an interesting situation for tech because I do think the most effective way to use Donovan Smith is to move him. Um, I don't think he's the best pure pocket passer. Like I said, there was to me anyways, a difference between the touch on shucks balls and the touch on Smith's. You know, that when Shuck threw it up deep early on before shoulder hurt, it was just perfectly placed. A lot of Smiths were short or kind of floated. Um, and part of that is also you don't want to over or under throw wide open guys. Like he's just trying to place the ball to give him a shot. Um, as a result, um, you know, I, I think that Smith is a good arm with good accuracy, but I think his, he's going to be most dangerous on the move. So I think Tech should roll him out more the flip side of this is you are an air raid team you know we're gonna live and die by that i I think that that's fair to say and i think smith has enough ability to really do it for you i don't want to act like he's not a good quarterback he would start at almost any power five team now there are some with truly elite quarterback play i don't want to pretend that he's you know donovan smith going alabama but he would start at basically any middle tier to lower tier power five team you know, he'd start at TCU. He'd start at Baylor. He'd start at Oklahoma State. You know, these are, well, maybe not Baylor. I don't know enough about their new guy to really make a judgment on him. But I, I think he could take Spencer Sanders' job for sure. I think he could beat Chandler Morris and Max Duggan. I think he could beat out, um, I think he could beat out Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. You know, th- he's got the talent, but his most effective weapon is going to be on the move. So it's going to be an interesting balance because you- Houston, like Tech, struggled against a mobile quarterback. So how do you leverage the fact that you're an air raid team, you- you're going to be a pass-happy offense with the reality that you've you got somebody who moves as well as Donovan Smith does at 6'5", you should move him. And the other part of this is you've already lost a quarterback because you tried to run Shuck, which, by the way, I know some people may not have liked that play call. That was a great play call. It's a 15-yard game it just was an unfortunate ending to the play and bad luck but you got to trust your quarterback and take a hit but now you've lost one guy are you really going to risk another by kind of putting him out there you saw kind of that little like quick uh the, the 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 speed option i think that's something you could see a little bit more of with smith than you would have with shuck i think you could see some more designed bootlegs i think you could call some more qb draws um i don't think you're going to see true qb power though i know they installed that i know for a fact they installed that as part of the original intention to use Smith, so maybe some goal line sets. Um, but that's going to be an interesting thing for Kitley to balance because I think that's how you can attack Houston the most. How do you neutralize good pass rushing teams that are bad otherwise? You avoid the defensive line. You move the quarterback away from them. Um, you, you force them to slow down and respect the rushing lanes that the quarterback has. Force them to worry about contain. Because Houston's defense is not good otherwise, right? Like UTSA torched Houston through the air with a guy who I think is a good quarterback, but is not particularly famous for being a great arm, you know, and they did it completely one dimensional fashion, right? They threw the ball 43 times in this game, carried at 28. So this was a, and the, the eight of the rushing attempts came from the quarterback himself. So, you know, this was a heavy pass app. He, and Houston just didn't do much to stop it. I think their secondary is as big of a liability as ours is. So, 
that's going to be what I want to balance. You mentioned Taj Brooks. His coming out party was Houston. Um, now he's got to balance it with Sirajic Thompson's workload. Both of those guys demonstrated. Because here's the thing. The one part of the offensive line play I wasn't super pumped about is there was not great push in the run fits. They looked a little disjointed in their run fits. Guys were a little slow to get to where they needed to be. I think part of that's your week one jitter. So I'm hoping that gets cleaned up a bit. But a lot of their runs, they just were straight beast mode. I mean, they got hit early and just shook a guy off. Or they found a lane and they made it happen. So, you know, I could see both of them getting touches, but... I do think that just the system's different now. I think Kitley's committed to what he's going to do, and the most we're going to see them is you're going to see a lot. What Sir Roger Thompson did uh, with that little uh, check down is a lot of how you're going to see these backs used. That was a great play for Thompson because that sells him to Kitley as the guy. When you need to check the ball down, he's going to make a play, pick up 5 to 15 yards. Now, that was a phenomenal spin move to get more, but that's that's kind of how I think you'll see the backs used the most. It's something to watch. Um, the other thing to watch here with this defense, I mentioned it, Houston secondary, not great. Just not very good. I think they they are as worried about their secondary as we are ours. And I think both defensive coordinators will be scheming to try to protect their guys. Both have good pass rushes. But Jack, when we're looking at this now from the Tech perspective, attacking the secondary, Tech shared the ball pretty evenly. I think it was like 10-11 guys got touches from the receiving core. We went deep. But who stood out to you as being a guy who Smith seems to have the best rapport with? Who's the guy you're watching to kind of really take apart, take the lid off of this Houston secondary? I really like Loic Fungi. Um, Not just because he's a Midland guy like I am, but because I feel like he really kind of took the ball and or once he got the ball... Uh, through the air, he did not uh, waste his touches. He had he had a lot of uh, big gains, and I think if I'm not mistaken here, um, he finished with four catches for 110 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, pretty good day. Also, like you said, uh, Jaron Bradley, uh, he or like Kendall mentioned, Jaron Bradley had a great game: six catches for 108 yards and two scores. I think that I would look for in this game attacking their secondary with deep balls, but also to add on to the concept of the rolling out game, I would not be shocked to see quite a good amount of running back screens. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson you know, had a 30-yard touchdown catch uh, against Murray State. Taj Brooks had a catch. Um, so... I don't want to totally just focus on just the deep ball, although I think that's going to be a huge deal. I think that uh, you probably use these screens to kind of set up the deep ball, possibly. Also, I wouldn't be shocked to see a little more run from our tight ends. That's the one area of this offense I was a little um, not disheartened with, but kind of just a little puzzled by the fact that they weren't used as often as uh, we kind of thought they were. You know, you have three guys down there that are all starters on any other D1 roster as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Mason Tharp is a huge guy. So is Baylor Cup. Uh, Henry Teeter is your down and dirty guy and uh, started the game, was a captain. Uh, then you you kind of... I would look for other guys. I, you know, I would assume that they would possibly, you know, double one of two, either Fungi or Jaron Bradley. Um, I think I would keep an eye on JJ Sparkman in this one, also possibly Trey Cleveland. Um, I would also be looking for Miles Price. Miles Price was almost, I mean, he had three catches for thirty-nine yards. But under his standards, you know, it was almost non-existent in this game. And that's another reason why I enjoy what we saw because Miles Price was not a factor at all and Tech still had no problem scoring through the air. Um, I think that for me, like I said, I would focus on Fungi and Bradley I would not be surprised to see Miles Price get a lot more touches this week. Uh, but if you want to take those three away, I would focus on the tight ends, possibly Trey Cleveland, J.J. Sparkman. Those guys have some height, too. So um, pretty much any anyone for me you could look at would be those guys. 
I'd like to see a lot more involvement of the tight ends uh, in this offense, though. The tight ends did get some touches, but yeah, it was a little surprising that you you went through the trouble of this offseason of bringing in Baylor Cup, and you, you Mason Tharp suffered a concussion. He returned to the to camp around the time of game, so maybe that factored in. Maybe they're planning to build kind of the tight end sets kind of around him, and he did not get a lot of practice time before the game, so maybe kind of limited reps for him. But you've got really good tight ends, so it was a little surprising that they weren't kind of picked on a bit more. The flip side of this is you look at when they were used, and I think that is kind of representative of what you would expect from um, this offense, which is they're used to, to, to kind of split defenses in half. They run down the scene when they get a mismatch. They find open space. They're a nice security blanket, big targets in the middle of the field for your quarterback to go find. I think we can use them more. I think that they can be used a lot more. I think those guys are matchup nightmares. Um, Mason Tharp, by the way, I, I mentioned this in previous years, but I was at the game in NRG. He came out with Kuntz standing next to him. Tharp was made Kuntz look like a tiny puppy. I mean, he is a big, big kid. And I, I don't think his pass blocking, his rush blocking has been super great, and that's part of why maybe he's been a bit limited. But now that we can really move away from needing him to put his hand in the ground and we can kind of split him out wide. I think you should see his role continue to go. Baylor Cup would have been, I think, a piece of A&M's offense had he not been injured and then kind of gotten pushed to the side by really talented tight ends they brought in. So I think we're going to see a lot more of these guys. I think they're going to continue to grow their role. Um, let's flip now to the Houston offense, looking at it from a tech perspective. The the guy who really was the only person who did much of anything in this game was Clayton Toon. Houston was not effective as an offense. They were really, really limited. 346 yards and three overtimes is, quite frankly, pathetic. The rushing attack was almost non-existent. Toon was the leading rusher. No Toon and the complement of backs who played, none of them averaged over three and a half a carry. Um, the next best was Brandon Campbell. Tazon Henry suffered a slight injury. He's expected to return. Stacy Sneed was the least effective. I don't think we're going to see a ton of him. I think Tazon going down kind of opened up a role for him to kind of touch the ball a bit more to the rock whereas he's more of a receiving kind of running back he had a couple catches on their end um let's let's be real here this was not a good showing but Clayton Toon demonstrated some of what makes him so lethal. 51 yards 3.4 per carry despite being sacked several times in this game he was accurate but mediocre through the air not I think part of this came down to they just didn't have time to throw the ball for a lot of this game but the biggest threat tech faces is Clayton Toon's mobility Kendall when you're looking at this what does tech need to do to really neutralize Toon because I think if they take him out of this game they can get this done so what what's the approach to containing Toon to limit his effectiveness for somebody else to beat you really if go look back at what they did last year which was you know he tried to run but ultimately they I don't can't really remember exactly what tech did last season but they you know they got him to throw four picks I think if I remember correctly um but they I think the best chance to really stop him and slow him down is just kind of have a spy on him almost. I think that's probably going to be your most effective um, way to limit his mobility because they don't, like you said, the rest of their offense was really stagnant outside of just him getting outside the pocket. And the thing that's a little concerning overall is, you know, like we've said, our secondary, they got beat deep quite a bit. And we also were facing a mobile quarterback again for Murray State that he was getting out of the pocket, kind of just chucking up some Hail Marys, and but our secondary was allowing it. And Clayton Toon will do the same thing if you give him the opportunity to. So I think that, you know, getting pressure on him um, and just kind of have, but also having a spy on him is going to be our best chance. And I was just looking at the receiver numbers. He really spreads out the ball. But last year, um, I think our best chance of kind of slowing down their offense is kind of doing what UTSA did. They have one really uh, elite receiver in Nathaniel Dell that 
last season had over 1300 yards and I think it was 12 touchdowns, uh, kind of just taking him out of the equation and making other receivers beat you. I think that's what UTSA did really effectively. They held him to five catches for 50 yards and he did have two touchdowns, but every single one of his catches was just, you know, short catches, um, really nothing crazy. So I think taking away his top receiver and then really just kind of, you know, to limit his mobility, like you can only do that so much. A good mobile quarterback like him is always going to find his ways to get out of the pocket and kind of hurt you at some point. But just limiting that, having someone kind of just setting a spy on him and making sure that he isn't just running all over us and uh, making a bunch of big plays outside of the pocket. Um, I think that's just going to be Tech's best opportunity. And um, But Houston really didn't show me much of anything else. Like you said, uh, t- outside of Toon really working his magic overall, um, you know, their running game wasn't anything special. And yeah, Henry went down, but even when he was in there, he wasn't doing anything crazy. Um, former Tech receiver Keyshawn Carter, who is supposed to be kind of one of their bigger focal points on offense. Uh, he struggled and didn't really get much going either. Uh, you know, I think, and that's just what UTSA did to him. And granted UTSA, I feel like maybe we aren't giving them as much credit, uh, that they deserve. I mean, last year they were undefeated for the majority of the season and, um, pretty, were pretty dominant, but still at the end of the day, they're a CUSA team compared to, you know, a big 12 team, I think we should be able to do a lot of things similar on defense to what they did, especially when now we have that film on them. And uh, I think that, you know, if we can, I don't think we're going to get four picks off of tune like we did last year. I really think that um, that was kind that was a really big outlier game last year for tune. He was, Overall, a very, very good quarterback last season. But uh, if we can kind of get pressure on him and just really try to get in his head, I think that's our best chance of uh, kind of slowing him down. But um, like you said, his mobility is probably his best uh, asset as far as you know what he brings as a quarterback and. Um, we're not going to be able to eliminate that completely, but you can definitely slow it down in ways that, like I said, throwing a spy in there, but also just getting pressure, I think is going to be kind of our best bet there. Tune actually reminds me a lot of Donovan Smith. I don't think either one of them are world beaters going deep, um, but they're both very talented quarterbacks. They're both very mobile quarterbacks, both pretty big kids, and most importantly, both of them make plays. You know, I, I think it's a really interesting matchup to watch because Tech has just never been good against mobile quarterbacks. Nobody's really that good against mobile quarterbacks, but Tech in particular the last several years, that's been an Achilles heel. They've really struggled to contain quarterbacks. Even with really good offensive, or excuse me, really good linebacker groups, they've struggled to contain mobile quarterbacks. Duggan's torched them. Sanders has torched them. Um, uh, 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 you know, it's just not in Tech's DNA seemingly the last several years to have that. This year, it's an untested linebacker group. They really didn't get tested much on last Saturday just because they didn't have to be the the defensive line just swallowed everything up but they're going to have to do a good job you mentioned the spy they're going to have to keep contained here's the other thing though the defensive ends have to do a much better job I think they got to get out of this mindset of the only way you can impact a play is to get a sack Tyree Wilson in particular is a phenomenal pass rusher but you have to prioritize against a guy like Clayton Toon holding your own. If you break through, that's great, but don't all automatically assume I've got to go underneath the offensive tackle. It's sometimes better to try to go around and just hold your own and try to drive the pocket inward as opposed to just rip free and run after him. Because here's the thing, Toon is a fast kid. He's going to be able to get to the edge, and if he gets in space, we saw this last year, he's dangerous. You know, the biggest plays Tech allowed, almost all of them were Clayton Toon making it happen with his feet. And this is no different than this UTSA game. You look at that two-point conversion play, UTSA's defensive line blows that up. 
you know, he ran out of time. He made a great individual effort to get outside and then just makes a great dive to pick up the two-point conversion. But it's it's the reality of the situation is that dealing with Toon means stopping his mobility. There's not a lot else with this offense to worry about. I'm not that impressed. Tazon Henry is a tech kind of wannabe, and I know that's harsh, but he was the guy who talked a lot of shit last year and then did nothing in that game. So I've kind of burned that bridge, and I'm happy, you know, to kind of talk a little mess since he seems to want it um he he doesn't impress me he was banged up he should be back but that the the offensive line here's the real question you know they're they're not good um tech should have an easy opportunity to rack up a lot of sacks but in the haste to get sacks to get pressures you have to be disciplined you know i wrote an article about how bad houston's offensive line is i think they're horrible i think they're easily maybe kansas being a bit worse they're probably one of the worst offensive lines on tech schedule um they were not good against UTSA. I don't think they're suddenly going to get better. Um, but you, like I said, to to get home is great, but what's better is to pressure with discipline. You're not always going to make the play yourself. Flush tune into the waiting arms of other defensive uh, linemen and everything is going to work out great. Um, we are running a bit low on time here, and I want to transition to just predictions. I think that's we, we, we did a pretty thorough preview in Houston already that went I think it was like 30 minutes of straight preview. So you can also refer to that for a lot more detail. This was just kind of try to pick up some lessons from that UTSA game. But now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. Jack, you're going to go first here. Who wins this game? And take a shot at the final score. Uh, for me, the X Factor is going to be the home crowd. I think Tech wins this one. Uh, and I'm going to go with... 49 to 35. I, I think Tech wins by two scores. Uh, the last one for Tech might be in garbage time. Uh, maybe 45. I'll go 45-34. That sounds a bit better to me. Um, I just don't think that the Houston defense can really hang on to our wide receivers for the entire time that our O-line can block. Uh, I also think more than anything, like you mentioned, their offensive line is just really bad. Um, so you know, you might look for Tech to have a field field day again on the D line, but I'm I'm gonna go uh, 45, 45 to thirty four. Uh, Tech wins. Pulls away in the fourth. It's going to be a close game, probably even until a little bit after halftime, probably about halfway through the third quarter. Then Tech, I believe, uh, probably starts to pull away. I didn't start the year as optimistic about this game. You know, I, we Jack and I talked about this. I felt like NC State was going to be a bigger challenge to go on the road and try to go up against them. I've said it uh, numerous times. U of H may, we don't know for certain, may be the better team. You know, we'll find out Saturday who's the better team, but they can't out-talent you. They can't outsize you. It's just, are they more well-rounded than you? And after watching UTSA, I think the answer has to be no. Um, I've gotten pretty comfortable with this game. I don't think Tech necessarily is going to get a, a cakewalk. They will be challenged, but I expect a pretty comfortable win. You mentioned the crowd. I've talked about the offensive line. Kendall talked about, you know, some of the limitations to that offense. We've all acknowledged that the, the real the, the thing to, to worry about is the defensive line for Houston. Um, I just think Tech's got more going for it this year. I, I think that until Houston turns over its roster into a Big 12 talent roster, this is just Tech's game to lose year in, year out, or to win year in, year out. Um, as Houston recruits and gets better, they'll start to match up better talent-wise, and then we're going to really see what kind of coach Dana is round two in the Big 12. But i got to take Tech this year, and I think they're going to do it, like I said, not necessarily comfortably, but it's not going to be a huge stretch. Let me say, I think this is going to be pretty high scoring. Let's say, shoot, 48-31. I think three scores, I think, is the prediction. Um, 17 points would be my takeaway. Kendall, you're up last. Who you got? I mean, if we remember correctly last year, um, I think Tech was Houston's only loss. In the regular season, I think that, um, you know, Houston is, they definitely remember this game from last year. So I do think they're going to come in with a, with a pretty big edge. Um, and the fact, I, I 
I don't know about you guys, but I was a little surprised that Tech opened as the favorites in this game, uh, even though that Houston did struggle against uh, UTSA. I kind of figured that they, since they, just because they're a ranked team with really high expectations coming into the season, I kind of figured that Houston would be favored. But um, just watching Tech, this it was very obvious that this is a completely different Tech team from last year, and I felt that that Tech team last year, um, we beat a very good Houston team, a team that turned out to be very good. And I don't necessarily think this Houston team is as good as they were last year. I think their defense was uh, much better, especially in the secondary last year. So I do like Tech to win this game. Um, I, I've been back and forth on whether they will outright cover just because that minus three. Um, I, I can see a push happening, but um, I'm going to stick with my gut. I do think Tech wins 41-34. to 34. I think that uh, is a pretty good number to end up with. Um, I can see Tech sc- definitely scoring more. We've seen some shootouts between these teams uh, in the past, but um, I think Tech comes out with a dub 41-34. to 34. Yeah, if you guys missed it, Jack and Kendall have started a new kind of betting approach. We haven't really done much of that at Viva historically, so give that article a read. That's going to be a new weekly piece from them. Um, And then blame them when you lose money, if you lose money. So I think we're going to close out here with one last thought for everybody, which is that, um, you know, regardless of what happens on Saturday, this has been a pretty fun time in tech football. The energy and excitement's really been there. So hopefully when we circle up for our 50th episode, it's all good vibes and feelings continuing before the date with the wolf pack. Um, we will have Reed with us next week. We're going to change up our recording schedule a bit. We've been recording kind of middle of the week. We're going to move till Monday, which means episodes releasing Tuesday. Reason being is to accommodate Reed to make sure we can get him in here and get the full team behind for football. Um, thank you guys for listening. Feel free to give us any feedback. You know, obviously like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is on whatever platform you're looking at. We're on all the major platforms. Or just feel free to click on the little listen box within the original article announcing the episodes. Um, however you listen, we enjoy you guys. It's been fun to grow this out, and we hope to continue to provide the kind of content you want to listen to. But if we ever don't, just let us know. What do you want to hear more of, hear less of, etc., and so on. All, all feedback is good feedback. Rackham, and enjoy the game on Saturday.